When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Josh Ennis Show. Well, howdy, everybody, and welcome in to the Josh Ennis Show. It is Josh and Jillian. Seth Payne is here, everybody. Hello, Seth. Hello, Jillian, Josh. I wish everybody could have just witnessed what we went through. I mean, listen, we are the dumbest people on the planet when it comes to technology. <laughs> like, I feel like such a dope. Well, we were at an event today, like, doing the toy drive, and our promotions director goes, oh, do you guys have AirDrop? And we're both like, what? I have no idea what the I hell AirDrop is. <laughs> we're like 80. Basically, what, what I'm doing. AirDrop getting... on your phones? Yeah, I guess. I have no oh, idea how to do yeah. any of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, you guys are pretty limited. Yes. <laughs> I thought you did a good job of working through the issues we just had. Though. No, I didn't. I did a dreadful <laughs> job in working with the issues we just had. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm dreadful. Um, open and your beer. Just open your beer. I, I got to open my beer. On. I'm going to open good. my we're, beer. We're here, here now. Seth is here. We did it. Yeah, so we've solved something you, at you least. Kept calm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If there's one thing I've learned in this era of Zoom, it's that if you stay calm, that's half the battle, and you'll you'll get it eventually. Trust me, I was not very calm leading up to uh, calling you because I got we got home at about twenty till six, and I'm like, you know what, or seven, and this is going to work because I said, you know what, we solved it last week, we're going to solve it this week, and life is going to be fine, right? It wasn't. I got in here, I'm sitting here for twenty minutes, I can't figure it out, uh, but here you are, you're joining us now. Seth Payne is here, of course, Seth of uh, Sports Radio 610 in Houston. You've been there for about a decade close to now, right? It's been, gosh, yeah. Yeah, it has been a decade. No, it was 2013, so it's been almost nine years coming up. Um, I first started coming out with you and, and Rich in uh, August or September of 2012. So, yeah, we're getting, we're getting there. We're getting close. When you joined the station, was there an idea that you were going to be there eventually full-time or anything like that? Um, I, I didn't really have a plan at that point. I kind of – I had been out of football for a few years, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I'd been going on in the air in Houston for a little while with John Granado on – it's time 1560. And, um, and he kind of told me, Hey, uh, you know, you should consider doing this. So I came down to Houston and I just met with everybody and Vandermeer sucked me into the whole Texans radio thing. And, uh, just over the course of a few months, you know, the, the midday show opened up cause Brad Davies left and that was it. Now I, I kind of stumbled, I, I, Josh, I was, it was, it's like what I've done my entire life. I don't ever really have like a five-year plan. I just kind of, see what opportunities right in front of me. And I, and I try to attack that, I guess, if that's the right word. And, uh, and I, so now I've been here a decade. You gumped your way into the gig, basically. I did. Yeah. I'm basically like a sexier Forrest Gump. Totally. I mean, just raw sex appeal. Yeah. Yes, totally. (laughs) Uh, so you get there in 2012 and you did a lot of stuff with me and rich and we were like, you know, that's pretty good. So when Brad rolls out, does Gavin go to you and say, Hey, you're the first guy we're thinking of here. How did that whole process go? Yeah, I can't remember. I think it was, um, cause Ted Johnson and I were both doing the same thing. We both started off part time and, 
I think Ted, what did, did Ted, uh, Ted, Ted ended up getting the afternoon show right around the same time I did, or he did, he got one first or I did. Well, no, you um, did. You did because uh, they moved Ted whenever I left. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, it was, was uh, Rich long? and Ted and, uh, and Sean okay. was, was doing the afternoons at the time because I left in December of 2013. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause you got, uh, we got there in a weird time because Gavin Spittle hired me Yep. and you know, Gavin, who's a big, I, would, I don't know. Would you call him a mentor in your life? Totally. Or, Gavin's you know, yeah, yeah. I love him dearly. I love him. So we got there and Gavin kind of recruited me and hired me and offered me the job. Um, and, and I took it and then he left like a week later. So I, yeah, trust was, me, uh, I didn't react well to Gavin leaving the second Gavin left. I just decided, Hey, yeah. I'm going to leave too. And I'm going to just fuck shit up is what I'm going to do. And for that last year, first of all, I didn't like the new program director. I think he's kind of a doof well, anyway. And you were convinced that Gavin was going to take you with him. Oh, with the second, when he, were you in the meeting when he said he was going to Dallas? No, no, I was still ignorant. Of oh, you, you, were, you guys might've been on the air at the time. Oh, probably. So yeah. we're all in a meeting, and it's him and Sarah Frazier, and they say, Gavin is going to Dallas. And I'm like, fucking right, we're going to Dallas. Yeah. So I meet him out in the <laughs> hall, and I go, so when we leave? And he goes, you're not fucking going. I'm like, son of a bitch. But fun fact, <laughs> in the middle of the summer that year, he did call me, and he said, hey, we might have the midday opening. Do you want to do it? I'm like, fuck you. I'm not doing middays. I rule. Uh, so I'm not going to yeah. do that. But he he never offered it to me, like offered it. But he did throw that out there and say, hey, we have an opening here, you know, that you might be interested in. And what's funny is the guys who eventually went on to do middays then moved into afternoons not that much longer. And now they're doing, I think, afternoons on a rock station there in uh, Dallas. But So who knows where life yeah, but- could have taken me. Midday's not bad at all, man. I mean, it's um, I, it's a nice schedule. Well, compared to what nice you've life. got now, I mean, what time do you get up? Do you still ride your bike to work? No, 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 no. I don't do any of that. I've given up. I've given up on a lot of things that I used to do. I, uh, I've, 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 I've slowed down in a lot of ways in my life. Um, no, but I don't know. I get up. I get up at like four a.m. or something. But I was always an early riser. The biggest, but the hardest thing is, is, is as you know, is that if you've got a talk about stuff early in the morning uh, that didn't finish until late at night it puts you in a little bit of a crunch so that's a, that's the only thing that kind of messes with me sometimes but you know brandy's brandy's awesome i, I get to nap whenever i want and, um, and she takes care of everything else so when um so when you watch sports at night like if it's a local one i guess you have to watch it if it's important that's kind of how i did it but otherwise i would fall asleep lopez when he did mornings i'm fairly certain he just watched sports center while driving to work <laughs> I don't know if um like to catch up on everything he's got like a 45 minute drive that's a big thing that's uh living close to the station makes a big difference and then you know when then uh, obviously when we started doing shows remotely and everything during during covid then you realize man doing a morning show that's where it's at is working out of your home because you can just roll out of bed and start prepping uh but yeah i usually I try to be kind of responsible about when I get to bed. So if it's some, if it's a later game, I'll usually either DVR it like, or in the NFL, I got game pass. So I wake up, I wake up at like 4am watch either the condensed version of a game or, uh, you know, just highlights and kind of go from there. 
So uh, when you and Mike, you had a dust up on the air, you and Mike did, uh, yeah. that was pretty epic, right? Like, it's like, it felt like rage, like me and Rich, like it was pent up, like, not like you hated each other, but it's like a pent up rage where you don't say anything for months. And then one thing triggers you and it's a fucking yeah. meltdown. And it was beautiful. <laughs> it was, well, yeah, it was, it was cause I was badgering Mike about something. We had some kind of, it was a really stupid disagreement. I can't even remember what it is right now. Uh, this is no, no. You know what, Josh? This is like the geekiest pain and Meltzer argument ever. <laughs> <laughs> this is like this was this was this was the only time like geeky salary cap talk was good on our show. Was we had, <laughs> we had I'm embarrassed to even talk about this. We had a long running disagreement about the value of cap space that could be rolled over <laughs> from year to year. <laughs> <laughs> whether you should spend it whether you whether you should spend it now or if you don't spend it now it's considered wasted forever yeah it was like it was like two cpas <laughs> arguing about something in the middle of a cafeteria so but you know i like i like i said uh, josh between like the, the time you and i got into it and uh that that one incident with mike and then a couple other times i got in arguments with mike that was back when I just uh, I, I was way more argumentative and combative and I just would not let stuff go. And I think I'd been kind of badgering him about stuff like that and just arguing stupid little points for a while. And, you know, Mike is Mike's very just a good dude. And I, I think he'd try looking back on it. I think he would tried to politely tell me several times that it was uh, that, that he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't like the way the show was going. <laughs> So finally, he just erupted and um, told me I was unbearable 27 times. It was like, it but that's the thing. Because he's like, not going to be like Mike. Um, Mike's more ornery, if that's the right word now. Like yeah. he's like less bullshit. He's less agreeable now. Like Mike is like this weird level of like just no bullshit. Like there is no yeah. bulls. And maybe it's because he's a lawyer. I don't know. He has no room for bullshit. It's just like. You're all fucking stupid. Fuck you. Like if it's a Texans argument it's on Twitter and they're like, you know, Davis Mills isn't that bad. Mike will say, yeah, fuck you. You're stupid. He sucks. I'm like, whoa, who the fuck is this guy? Well, you know what it is? And I think because I've kind of watched that with Mike, too, because he's still the same person, you know, when when you're when you're talking to him. But I think when it comes to like the outward facing Mike, when you're in media, if you're doing a four hour radio show. Like you can only you can only be so opinionated for so long before it just wears you down and it wears the audience down. And and I think nationally it's different. You know, if you're doing first take or something, that's a whole different deal. But it, it, unless you're in the Northeast, I, I think it just wears you down. Whereas if if you're basically, you know, doing most of your stuff on Twitter um, or in, in smaller bursts and segments, I, I think you feel like you got to get it all out there all at once and you're like as strong and powerful as possible. So I don't, I think Mike's the same guy. I think he's just realized, you know what? I'm going to be very poignant uh, when I, when I'm going to speak, I'm going to be very poignant about it. And he clearly is because there's no middle ground in any of his takes. There's no nuance. It's either just as nuance isn't fair. There's no um, middle ground. It's either this is fucking right or this is fucking wrong. And there's no room for arguing. And he'll even say that in some of his tweets. He'll go, hey, guess what? I'm not going to argue with you because you're stupid. 
<laughs> That's awesome. People like that Meltzer. I, I, I think uh, I, I miss I miss Meltzer you know getting wired. Like Meltzer was at his best to me when he'd just get wired over dumb stuff. Like that's my yeah. favorite Meltzer. And now I think he made a considered effort to just say, you know what, I'm not going to get angry about stuff. And I think it came across. I think you might have done the same thing at one point where it's like, I think I'm getting too angry. Now I'm going to be yeah. reserved. And part of that is what made the stuff fun was getting angry, like over nothing. But then that's the problem, though, is because I know I like people always thought Mike and I staged that stuff and we didn't at all. <laughs> like and it's and it's it's taxing. Like, that's just how Mike and I, I, I think, and, and Mike and I, especially together, we wouldn't get in that many arguments with each other, but I think we're just naturally, we could get worked up about stuff, about ridiculously stupid stuff, and we kind of, we've kind of fed off of that with each other, and we weren't usually arguing with each other, but we might be going off about something, and it was, it was real, and it was genuine, it was just too much, like, and, and it, like, somewhere along the way, it was a, it was a combination of, um, when you and I got into our, uh, our, our, argument, our kerfuffle. Bowl, our kerfuffle, it was, it was that incident with Meltzer and then just a few other things where all of a sudden I just realized like, what am I, how am I living my life? <laughs> like, what <laughs> do I want to be like, I'm trying to be like a, like a nonviolent Tony Soprano or something. Like I just gotta, and, and nothing good comes of it other than making a caricature of myself. So I just kind of decided one day you know what? I'm just, I'm not going to get angry anymore. And, um, and it wasn't quite that simple, but in a way it was. And I, cause I kind of had to figure some things out and read a bunch of books and, and learn a lot about myself to do it. But I thought, all right, I can't, I can't keep doing radio as much as I love radio. I can't keep doing it if this is the way I'm going to do it. So I'm just going to, I'm going to change. And I think it was probably for the better because I, I, the whole landscape has changed. Like hot takes are out laid back podcasts are in and it's it's probably for everybody's best interests. Yeah, but I kind of miss uh, uh people being a little bit more angsty and not necessarily hot takes, but being yeah. a little angrier and like cuz sometimes it feels like not just in your case, but like Meltzer and other people, it feels like people are trying so hard to be reserved so as to not have that outlandish take that people criticize and why and i'm not saying you're holding back or you're not saying what you truly believe but i think sometimes people get caught up in social and they get caught up in texts and tweets and they they're just like if i get angry they're gonna rip me and i'm gonna get blasted so i'm gonna deliberately kind of like just not really let loose and then it almost sounds like some weird anti-depressant type of radio like where you're like <laughs> zinned out and it's very weird or you're too cool to get angry. And uh, like, it's either that it's either a snobbish pacifism or it's a Zen pacifism. But I, you know, it's funny, Josh, I was just thinking about this because I've been watching, uh, I've been working my way back through the Sopranos and it is true. Like you go, you go to the year 2003, 2004, and every kid in New Jersey thought he was Tony Soprano and you better not insult me or you better respect me or I'm going to kick your ass to now. It's like 20 years later. Oh, my gosh. You got angry over something said to you. Somebody something somebody said to you uh, like, like so they went true. from idol idolizing Tony Soprano to idolizing Dave Portnoy. And it's uh, I don't know which is better. Uh, it's probably less violent to idolize Dave Portnoy. But it's um, it's definitely like people are it's it's almost a sign of weakness now to get angry when 20, 30 years ago and in perpetuity before that. If somebody disrespected you, that was like uh, you're they were testing your manhood. No, totally. And I, when I worked in Philly, 
that's what everything was, was people testing your manhood. Everybody wanted to fight you. Like, that was like, there was no words. Nobody used their words like a big boy. It was just, all right, we're going to fucking fight. Like, th- like, that wasn't my first kerfuffle, you and I. Like, in Philly, they all wanted to fight. Listeners, other hosts, people at the radio station. And like that, like, I was confronted multiple times. One point in the office by this meathead who thinks he's in The Sopranos. He comes up to me, heard something I said on the radio about him. And like, he gave me this psychotic look like, oh, you said something about me on the radio, huh? And then... But the thing that's interesting about that is nothing happened. I sat there. He did his little thing and he walked out. He gets on the yeah. radio and says, I peed my pants. Then that became the thing with these morons in Philly was, oh, you peed your pants when the cuz approached you in the office, you pussy. Like that didn't happen. How could you believe that? Like you are yeah. fucking dumb people. And but in the- Philly people's minds, it wasn't just like the saying. It wasn't the expression, oh, he peed his pants. Like, they legit thought that you had pissed yourself. That That's how they operate yes. there, though. <laughs> like, they truly believe that. Yeah, that's a rough one. That's a, that, see, and that's hard to, in today's age, you're supposed to not get angry about that, Josh. But I, and I guess, like I say that that's the way things have changed, right? In the Northeast, it's still like that, right? Like that hasn't yeah. changed at all. People are still yeah. very angry people there. Uh, but that kind of leads <laughs> into what, what happened with us was when I was in Philly, that was the abrasive style. It was, you know, we're fighting the other station radio and wars. I, it yep. was radio wars and I'm out there wanting to kick this guy's ass and you're talking big bravado on the air and the guy I'm competing competing against is this 60 something year old five foot nine Italian guy that wants to fight everybody. And like we had a, a, an an inadvertent altercation at a Philadelphia Eagles practice. I walk up to a guy and start conversing with him. I have no idea that he was talking with my competition just standing there because I never met the guy. So then, like, he goes, you know who this is, right? And I go, oh, shit, that's Mike Missinelli, my competition. And this guy was looking at me like I was the fucking devil, and he wanted to fight. And he goes, you know what? I bet you wouldn't say any of that shit you say on the air to my face. And I looked at him, and I, I looked down at him. I mean, he's like five foot ten, nine maybe. And I go... I think your show fucking sucks, right? That's what I told him. And then I walked, and then we we did the way. But the media in Philadelphia covered it as Josh Ennis backs down from fight from Mike Missinelli. I was like, he's a 60-something-year-old, 5'10 lesbian-looking fella. If I fight him and lose, I'm the worst. If I fight him and beat him up, I was supposed to beat him up. He's a 5'10 lesbian-looking guy. Like, what was I supposed to do? So it was a no-win, but they make it sound like he wanted to fight me. He didn't say a fucking thing. He was nervous. I could see it in his eyes. He probably didn't realize I'm 6'3 and fat and look more imposing than I am. He probably you're had no or you've got broad shoulders. Yeah, and you put yourself down, but you've got a you're you've got a big frame. You should see me in the gym now at the boxing gym at nine round. I'm out there roundhousing and shit. <laughs> really? Are you? Well, I'm trying. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> I appreciate that response. I like to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, again, but this, let this give you like an idea of where my mind was at and where my head was yeah. at. When I was in Houston, because I said, well, this worked in Philly, and this was our shtick in Philly, so I'm going to go into Houston and carry that on. That's the last thing I had done, the last thing I'd learned from a boss, and he said, when you get there, just go out there and be abrasive, and like from the jump, I was abrasive when I came back to Houston. I was shitting on uh, Sean and Rich because they were on in the afternoon, then you guys, I moved to mornings, I was shitting on you guys. Like That was just what I thought I needed to do to kind of make the market more interesting, right? Like, cause it's not an interesting radio market. It's a boring radio market. And I wanted to give it like that wrestling type of uh, excitement. And that was my idea to bring attention to sports radio. And, it, and you know, like the rule book in radio is if you're the, 
if you're the bigger station, you're supposed to not acknowledge yep. like somebody when they're when they're trying to call you out because then it's the old thing like if okay if if we've got I don't know when remember what the numbers were when you came in or whatever but if we've got three times as many listeners as you do and some a lot of my listeners don't think anything of you but all of a sudden I start talking about you then I might lose ten percent yeah. of my listeners and to we you win. <laughs> whereas you. Yeah. yeah, you losing ten percent of your listeners to me doesn't matter because you already got ten percent, like a bigger number down. So, like the math says, not to mess with it. But meanwhile, like in the age of social media, it's like it's hard to ignore. So I know that I know that my former friend Josh Innes is talking shit about me on the radio. <laughs> yes, and and it was hard. Uh, like that part of it was difficult for me because I knew it was business and I tried not to take it personally. But it is also there's that part of me that's like, all right, man, like. I like I know what I know what radio is like up there and I know how it's been in Houston at times, but I, I just didn't want any part of that. And I was just trying to ignore it as much as I could. Um, but like that week leading up to the Super Bowl, I like people kept people kept like texting us or DMing me on Twitter and saying like, hey, Josh is going to mess with you guys at the ra- at Radio Row. Just want to let you know. <laughs> so, I, so I'm like, I've got to the whole week. I'm like, oh, crap, man, I don't want to deal with this crap. And I, I, I guess I was a little bit um, – I was the pump was primed going into that Super Bowl. <laughs> well, and you were also, from your own admission here, you were kind of in a negative headspace mentally anyway from the sounds of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- there was that part of – yeah. And then yeah, here definitely. comes Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. So, yeah, we should know because we never talked about this. The last I remember the first time I saw you after we got into it at the Minneapolis Super Bowl was the next year at the Atlanta Super Bowl when when we were at all we all flew home on the, yeah. same, on the same Southwest flight that was delayed <laughs> many hours. <laughs> that was a uh, yeah. That's a whole other story. So we can get to this. We can get to the Super Bowl in Minneapolis. I guess yeah. Tell tell me from your perspective how all that went down because it's kind of a foggy blur to me. Oh, I, oh I just the whole. Was, well, there was animosity leading up to it for sure, as you mentioned, because I remember being at the media party um, the night yeah. before, actually. And I remember Meltzer came up and talked to us, and he's like, you don't want us to have anybody else. Like, this is just us. And I think we had, like, secret plans to go to dinner with Rich Lord, but he's like, don't tell anybody else. Like, you can't say I'm doing this. <laughs> don't tell anyone. So that there we... was already kind of that animosity. Like, I think we saw you, and, like, everyone's like, don't make eye contact. Don't say anything. Don't start shit. Let's just... Yeah, and, so, by, and by the way, I started started that night, they, I feel like. Oh, the, the people think, I see, this is the thing. I I, I very much think, I think Mike always, because Mike has said stuff like this before. Like when, uh, sometimes like when my friend Drew Hodgson, who played with the Texans, he's a big guy, uh, got drunk out with Mike one night. And then a couple times when I was out drunk with Mike one night, he keeps saying things like, I just, I don't know how I would control you if things got out of control. <laughs> like, and Mike, I think... I think that's what How it was. How are you like, going to control a 200-pound guy if it gets out of control? I honestly yeah. think you're right. Now that you say that, I think he was just so scared he was going to have to, like, step in the middle at this media party. This was, what, the Tuesday, right? Because the the actual incident was on Wednesday, right, the next day. Yeah. So, yeah, this was yeah. the Tuesday night. And I remember, like, Mike just being like, I'll say hi to you, but I, I'm not going to stay here really long. Like, you, you know, Mike, he starts to get all nervous and talks fast and, you know, you know, old melts. <laughs> so yeah so so then the next day we're doing uh, the way they had radio row set up in minneapolis was absurd we're in the The, middle of mall of america the fact that it was at the food court makes it even better (laughs) this whole story is made even better like it'd be one thing if it were just like in a a warehouse somewhere but instead there's a roller coaster and a sabaro (laughs) and us uh, in the middle of radio row 
gawking fat Midwestern people like looking at you like you're zoo animals. And slowly the the Patriots fans were starting to filter in, you know, so they would just stand at the ropes and watch. But it, yeah, it was and it was all compressed. It was it was packed in like we were like rats in a cage. Very tiny. So it was very tense and very hot and very weird. And um, but that day, because it was early in the week, I think there still weren't necessarily a lot of people there yet. And uh, but but Jim Mudd came over while we were in the middle of our uh, your so your producer Jim Mudd and our, our our mutual friend Jim Mudd came over and said hi like while we were on our show. But I like. I, like I knew your guys' shenanigans. Sure. I know what we you did do them with the Jim prior Mudd. year. I mean, yeah. Well, that's the thing is we did it the yeah. year before that, and it, when we were on in the afternoon, and we screwed around with Ted. Now Ted is not one to be trifled with because like like yeah. Rich kind of laughed at us and he goes, "Oh, I did dummies, go away." Like like Ted wants to fight. Like he's like yeah. Like I like I know that you wouldn't hit me or like because I just I like I know you like Ted may. That's why I was like, maybe I won't fuck with Ted because I think he would hit me. You, I kind of knew <laughs> yeah. that, that that wouldn't be the case. So it was kind of a safe play on my part. But it uh, sure came close. But, but let's rewind a little bit then. So we're on. So we're, we're there. So uh, we're on the air and it's a Wednesday and nothing's fucking happening there. Like Conrad Dobler didn't hop over that day. He might have been dead by then. I, is he dead? I don't know. But like Merrill Hodge wasn't rolling around pimping a book at this point at seven in the morning on a Wednesday. So we had nothing going on really. Right. So I'm like, all right, go over there, do what we did last year. Like Jim, dude has balls of steel, right? So Jim, the yeah, year before, yeah. put on the Asweiler can, and he like would sit down at other people's broadcasts and not tell them anything, just sit down and grab microphones and start talking. And he almost got kicked out that year. <laughs> so it was it was wild. He did it as Ditka, if you recall. He, he did. He dressed as Mike Ditka and walked around in, in Houston and just sat down on people's shows, and they would start talking with him because he looked like Mike Ditka. So yeah. I send him over to you and I go, go, go. Let's see what those dopes are talking about today. I want to see what's going on in no way that I think you'd respond or anything would come of it. It was really just a play for, um, filling time. It was a theater of the mind play. Cause it sounds bigger on the radio to say, Hey, let's go fuck with their broadcast. Cause we're not really doing anything. Jim walks over. He stands there. He knows you guys. So he walks over yeah. there. He stands there. He gets shooed off and that's it. But it sounds like we're doing something like we shouldn't do like, Oh, we're going to go infiltrate their shit. It's a theater of the mind play. So Jim goes over, he puts a phone cause we, they didn't give us a wireless mic for this trip. So the phone was to, to listen to you guys on the phone so we could hear it on the air. So Jim goes over, does that, and Ryan McCred and the PD kind of shoes him off, and 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 like you all shoo him off, and as he's walking away, that's when things turn from okay, it's shenanigans with two dopes to hey Jim Mud, come back over here for a second. Yeah. That was from Seth Payne, <laughs> and I think all of us like yeah. I know you and I looked at each other like. Oh. oh shit! We got and <laughs> as and you said, Seth. Like we're like they're never going to acknowledge us. Like you know, six ten's the bigger station at the time, and oh, he did acknowledge us. Now what? And then yeah. you called. Then all I remember is you said, "And Jim, you've let yourself go. You're <laughs> like basically you're like you're so fat." And I'm like, "Shit's going down oh, now. Geez, now it's on." I did. You oh, did. You no, called him fat. You go, Jim. You, you've really <laughs> no. let yourself go, Jim. Oh no! Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> did I apologize? I don't know. You may have. <laughs> So, so Jim, you oh, call Jim back I, over. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to text him right now and apologize. My God. <laughs> so, That's so, awful. So let's go back to that moment then. So you called Jim Mudd back over. 
What yeah. is going through your mind when you say, no, Jim, come back over? Is this just a boiling point? Have you lost? Just, like, what yeah, happened? Yeah, I was, I was just angry. Um, and it was because I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, how would, how would I explain exactly what happened there? Because, yeah, Jilly, you're exactly right. Like, the strategy would have been like, all right, whatever, just dismiss this. It's no big deal. And it's, it's you know, I don't want to I don't want to add any air to this uh, more than it needs to be. But I just kind of. I just kind of snapped. It's that it's like, like we talked about earlier. That's a, that old school. Like, wait a second. You're not going to come over and mess with my show. Like, while we're on air and, in you know, small come, food I knew court. We, oh, no, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> not, not next to my safari. Not here. <laughs> <laughs> Minneapolis is my town. <laughs> but it was um, so I so I that's all I was thinking is just I kind of just uh, I just kind of snapped and I think I, I in my mind it was because I had heard the story from a year earlier when you had gone up and put the microphone in Ted Johnson's face yeah. and I'm just like man like I it, it goes back to like a junior high mentality of a, I'm not going to get punked here like I'm not going to get punked and, and that's the hardest thing in the world is like by the radio rule book I got punked by acknowledging you because that's exactly what would have been good for you. And it was, and it, truth be told, it's entertaining radio. Um, and you, and very, and truth be told, you guys got the better yeah. radio because you guys were actually on microphones. I could yeah. only vaguely hear you through a phone. So you guys kind of yeah. won that. Yeah. So, so what happens then is, so you call Jim over and you've kind of snapped and you're going off. I don't remember all the shit you said to him, but you're going off and you're basically calling me names and everything. And then the moment that really changes everything happens. This is where the 30 for 30 starts. You stand. Cause I was saying, I was saying, tell Josh to come here. Right. Yes. In my, in say, talk to my face and all that stuff. And that would have been fine. But then you uh -huh. stood up and looked over and did the like, look around like your whole Hogan thing and go get, you know, he's too much of a bitch to come talk to me. And then, <laughs> and then, and in that moment, I've got on. a choice. I've got a choice. It's like the game you of life. Of you, you're either going to go to college or you're going to go straight to your career. It's the game of life. And you have a choice to make. And that choice is I sit here and I'm a complete pussy. I lose. I've talked all this shit about these guys. I can either sit here. I can sit here and go, nope, I'm not going over there. Or I did what I did, which is I got up and I said, Jilly, I'm going over there. I'm going to go see what he wants. Because I could, I knew in my mind, there were two things. One, I thought, holy shit, this is going to be fantastic no matter what happens. And two, if I don't go over there, my I, whatever reputation I have is fucked. And again, Seth made it very clear he was looking at you. And of course, there was like probably six, seven tables in between us. So that's when the room started paying attention. Because you got a little loud and I'm like, oh boy, well, it's on. And you storm over there. And that's when people really started being like, oh. So I grabbed a cell phone and I called the hotline, I guess. And I got, we're going on, guys. And I go over there, and I, I'm, I'm literally shaking at this point. Like, it's adrenaline. I know that your boy Landry was like, what a chicken shit. He was scared. Well, in real talk, yeah, because you're a football player, and you're pissed off, and I might get punched in the face. But also, because there's that adrenaline. You know that, like, yeah, it's, it's this no, yeah, moment, and you're you shaking. A, yeah, yeah. That, it, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, before, a, like, a confrontation like that, you get that. 
You get those shakes, yeah. <laughs> oh God! And I was, I, and my hand was shaking, and they, that was used against me. Like, oh, he was scared, but I was revved, man. I was like revved up, and like, I, and I knew all eyes were on us, and I knew it's it's good radio. I knew I could get hit. I I thought almost a hundred percent I wouldn't. <laughs> Like, because I know, like, even now we're sitting here laughing because we're buddies and I've known you. So even though, like, you're pissed at me, I don't think you're going to punch me. So I feel like it's a safe play to go over there. But I wouldn't have yeah. thought it would have became what it became. And I don't remember all the shit you said to me. You just berated me. And I just stood there and kind of took it. And that's why everybody else thought I was kind of a bitch, too. But I sat there and you just yelled and yelled. And 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 I don't know how it ended. My favorite line was the Gulf Coast radio crowd. Oh, yes. I believe it says, oh, you're going to go over there on your GIST network with your Gulf Coast radio <laughs> crap? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Wait, was that wait was that when you were doing New Orleans? Yeah, Houston? yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> honestly, like I kind of, I basically, I, I didn't, I haven't watched YouTube of it or anything like since then. <laughs> I just wanted to, I wanted to move beyond it because it was, it was, it wasn't something I was proud of. It wasn't something that like I, I planned out. A few people in radio texted me afterwards that were like you know like hey you just you did exactly what he wanted you to do and I'm like yeah i know but <laughs> i also like i also like this this isn't my uh, like I've, I've i was okay with it i wish i hadn't done it quite like that but i did feel like there was a kind of a there's a part of me that i i'm not i didn't want to do stuff or like you know play that game of having a having a grudge with somebody and it being just business. Like it's still like it, it hurt me when I heard you say stuff about me, even sure. though I knew that it was just for radio, like that stuff all like hurt me. So like, I, I felt like, all right, at the very least I'll get it out there. Um, but I think I'll like, I remember afterwards, like you talk about shaking, like after that show, I felt very, very like conspicuous, you know, because <laughs> sure. from that moment on for the next, for the next two days, there, that was the buzz on Radio Row, and they were playing it on ESPN. And I, I, I you know, people like uh, Mike Francesco news. were talking about how clowns, how, how clownish <laughs> we were. <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember this. Right after that happened, they put us on WEEI in Boston. Yeah, right. And we're uh, both just sitting McAfee. there. Yeah, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, all of a sudden, we're the story. If that would have happened on a Friday, probably wouldn't have been a story. But it was a Wednesday, and nothing else was going on, and that became yeah. the story. And we're everywhere. I remember um, I was getting calls from other radio stations to be a guest. My boss wouldn't let me do it. Then the local news in Minneapolis put me on, and I cut a fucking wrestling promo. It was live on TV. And I'm like, yeah. let me tell you, he's like Josh Ennis from 790 in Houston. How did this all go down? Or it was Josh Ennis, Radio Row fight guy. And I'm like, they're like, how did this all go down? I'm like, well, let me tell you something. That bitch wanted to challenge me to a fight, and I ain't no bitch. Like I'm like, I'm like cutting the best like, On the like local news, like yep, Ric Flair promo over here. I'm like, like throwing up the four horsemen you know and shit, you know? You know what? That explains a couple things. I wish I could find it here right now. I, I'm not going to, it would take too long. I'd get too distracted, but I've saved this message. It, <laughs> yes. I was getting all kinds of crap from people in Philly, which I understood, you know, and, sure. and some people in Houston, which I understood like loyal listeners of yours. Um, but like, there was this one random guy from Minnesota that DM'd me and it was like, anytime, anywhere champ, like, <laughs> and it was like, it failed me to fight. And you know, you know, in those DMs, like whenever you get one of those DMs in social media, they're just waiting for you to like respond. They're going to delete their message, take a screenshot and go. 
So I was just like, hey, man, like you seem kind of angry, bud. What's up? And he never responded. But the crazy thing is the guy owns like some carpet dealership up in Minneapolis. Oh, shit. And he's, he never deleted the message or anything. But your promo <laughs> was so good that it worked him to the point of like wanting to challenge me to a fight. Oh, shit. <laughs> so what does your boss tell you after all this goes down? Because mine called me and they're like, the world is fucking ending because we got kicked off a of radio row. But. Not because of that, strangely well, enough. Well, actually, Scott A. in the chat brings up a good question. Did anyone from the NFL come up to you guys after that? Because they came up to us. They came up to you guys. I think the big difference was that because you guys had kind of gotten there on a temporary permit. We yeah. squatted. And we, we squatted. Yeah, the way it was relayed to me was that they were like the, the NFL security people or whoever was in charge was like, okay, well, apparently they came over into your area. I didn't talk to anybody, um, but they came over into our area and they were there on a per temporary permit. And I, I'm guessing the big difference was that we had paid more money. Than, than <laughs> no, you the guys difference is, again, <laughs> you say temporary permit. That's very generous. We literally just yeah. took someone's table. Yeah, so like, because we, no, it was we didn't like, know oh, that either. Really? We didn't know it. So what happened was they sent us last minute because Mattress Mac wanted to send some for uh, Harvey's first responder people and stuff and heroes of Harvey to yeah. the Super Bowl. And so we all had to hurry up and turn things around and get a flight and everything. So basically what it was, was we had media passes, but we had to be at someone else's table, like some random radio station. So yes, it was kind of a temporary thing. The idea was that I got tossed. I got us all thrown out because of this fight. And it was all because of that. Even you who like you and I have never discussed this before in this, even you are saying that somebody from the NFL or someone relayed to you that we were there basically on a temporary badge essentially. And because of that scene, they just kicked us out, you know, because we weren't supposed to be there. You guys didn't get kicked out. We did. No. And it was because yeah. of the fact that we weren't supposed to be there anyway. Squatters. We were yep. squatters. Yeah. Yeah, you were causing a ruckus. I what? Can you <laughs> tell describe that to the, the rest of our air staff because they did not. Oh, they that. went on air and like they were rooting for you. Like they're on the air. This Josh Ennis, we all hate him. You would thought it was your station. Nope, it was my whole station, and they hated me. And they got on the air and wanted to fight me. One guy in particular tried to fight Jilly in the lobby of the hotel. And I knew it was serious because we were doing our show from Perkins the next morning, and they gave us all these muffins to bring back. And we saw the rest of our air staff after our show, and I was like, "You guys want some muffins?" And they're like. Fuck no. We don't want your fucking muffins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Sorry. that's, I mean, you would, but you know, Josh, like, I, it's kind of like, like, like Howard Stern back in the day was despised by a lot of people just because he was so good at, he was so good at ruffling people's feathers. So like in that instance, like you, for the same reason that I flipped out on you on, on Radio Row, it was after you had been doing like what, what you viewed as a job, which was, yes. you know, just saying, saying either controversial or just things that irk people or what have you. Um, like I got more, more people take that personally than, than don't take it personally, I suppose. Of course. And, so, I, and, I, and me and Jim yeah, knew that. You know that's the price. And we knew yeah. that. Like I knew going into it that I was probably going to sever relationships with you or with Meltzer. I mean, it took a long time for me and Meltzer to become buddies again. Like he would have people saying, don't be friends with that fucking guy. He's an asshole. And I wouldn't blame yeah. him for that. But like in the in my mindset, it was I've got this big job and I'm trying to keep this big job and I want to win and I want to make it interesting. So I turned it into wrestling and I would just talk shit about everybody. And that was kind of the bit. And, and I, and I didn't feel good doing it. Like, it, it, like, but I, I felt it was what I had to do. So I justified it that way. Well, there were the, two things about that. There's one, cause I know. <laughs> so afterwards, I know one of the things that you did 
either as a bit to like to mess with Mike and I or just whatever. Somehow, like there was a story going around that you and I had planned it all. I had, like, I had so never that, said that. People thought, yeah, they really thought that happened. Okay. I, and I said, well, I'm not were, clever enough to have come up. Like, every good thing <laughs> I've ever done was not planned. Yeah. Anything that was popular or famous, I don't plan shit. When I plan it, it's yeah. awful. That was truly not a, that was not that way. I Like, I couldn't have imagined it being any better. I'm not Andy Kaufman. The other, the other thing was, because um, I remember, you know what it was? Because Bill Simmons said that. I was listening to the Bill. I used to listen to Bill Simmons. And I was listening to his podcast. And he said something about how, like, well, and it was all staged or something. I was like, you smarmy little cunt. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> That's like, 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 so, like it's someone that would clearly have no idea because it literally happened in the moment. If I would have yeah. never sent him over there, nothing would have ever happened. Yet someone so definitively, like a Bill Simmons, knows for a fact. And I believe, honestly, like we think, like, you know, people who thought it was fake. I truly believe that started within 790 because as Brittany in the chat points out, oh, you fucked over your colleagues to advance your own career we didn't it wasn't a plan to fuck over our colleagues like we didn't go to super bowl radio row intending to get kicked out and get the station kicked off radio row which again we didn't get the station kicked off yeah um yeah. it was just it we was, could not have made that up that and, the, been, and by the way the year before that when we did all the stuff with the assweiler can and jim in houston they all loved it and they said we're brilliant and then the next year they hate me and they said i'm the worst guy i mean i almost really got thought, fired they really thought that josh did that just to screw them personally which yeah. is really funny yes well, that the other part of it when you brought up the wrestling was there was a part of me afterwards. It was like, man, you know, like everything you said about Philly radio is true or Boston radio or a lot of those places where the like the half the entertainment becomes the drama between the stations at times, at least. And because people love that stuff, they and do. even if they even if they claim they don't love it, they love it like they listen. And there was a part of me that was like, you know what? I should just go with this. Like, I should just I should <laughs> I should I should just have like a like a mafia style meeting with Josh <laughs> where we agree to like <laughs> leave families out of it. You know, we'll, we'll agree to some ground rules and then we'll just have at it. And it probably it probably would have been great for both of us. But like I said, I just I can't. I can't go there. I can't separate the two the way some people can. I can't really uh, either. Like I like I don't like doing fake stuff. Like I was able to program myself to hate you guys and say that's my competition. I got to do it. I don't want to do fake shit either. But like I'm in yeah. the middle of ripping you guys or making fun of you, and I'm like I you know I feel bad because these are my buddies, but mm -hmm. I'm also trying to you know beat them. That is the competition, yeah. you know. So well, what did McLean? Um, what did McLean say? McLean was the star of that whole picture. <laughs> Like those yeah, he's got like a couple of the best gifts on Twitter from that. Ever. He, does. he doesn't even appreciate. He doesn't appreciate me for that. He doesn't at all. He said it was the least. He said it was the, the most unprofessional thing he'd ever been involved in. Just John, I John, I made you on Twitter right there. You know, people, people, people think it's because. Hey, things are pathetic, but it's from your gift, man. <laughs> Just one thank you is all I want from you, you son of a bitch. Just one time. <laughs> I put you over. <laughs> Great wrestling term. Look at you. Wrestling well, you parlance. Know, I'm with Sean Pendergast now. He's a, he's a wrestling <laughs> Yeah, see, expert, totally. So I, I'm getting all that stuff. <laughs> so you were going to say something before I interrupted you with that. I think it was something. Oh, I, you were going to reference something I said. Oh, well, with McLean, I mean, McLean got up and walked out midway through. I remember that um, I, I, I remember that Damon, Damon Amendolara, that poor guy who does a solo show or he was at the time. He was right behind us. And 
so like his he could not continue doing his own show because you and I were standing like right in front of him <laughs> within like within like two feet of his microphone. So I think he just started kind of doing play by play on our on, on our argument. Well, well, he was on it. I think a lot of people owe us a thank you for providing content on a day where nothing was happening. Yeah, they I know, owe you us. Know what the, the one thing I regret about that, because you are like a dyed in the wool, you know, you grew up, you know, with radio in your blood. I, you had mentioned that we had the good audio of it. I, I felt bad that when you and I made the Howard Stern show, that it was <laughs> like that my voice came through a lot more clearly. Like it was a lot more, both our names got mentioned, but you could hear me a lot better just because I was on microphone and you were, you were standing a little bit away from that. You beat. stole my fucking moment. This was my Brandy, one thing. Brandy's a huge Howard Stern fan though too, so she like she really enjoyed that part of it. But See, yeah, I we're do, famous. Uh, it's I, like the time that Paul Gallant made it on Tucker Carlson. <laughs> Poor Paul. <laughs> Dude, Paul gotta, tonight was just on with some hot like I'm not conservative. I'm like middle of the road media person. He was almost some hot chick tonight. Like I think he's gone full on like uh, conservative radio guy. Look at him. Think, Career shift. Uh, I don't know if he's uh, well. That's the thing. I think he's going to be. I think he's doing political talk radio, where I I don't. Nobody wants to label themselves necessarily right now, um, for good reason. But I don't. I think I don't. I don't know if he's. I don't know if I call him conservative talk radio. I haven't listened to him enough to know. Um, I just want to yeah. bust his balls over. But yeah, so he's. I think he's doing something like a fill-in in Kansas City. But tonight he's on with this hot chick that I've never heard of before. I, I guess she's famous. I don't know who any of these people are. But he was on with this hot chick. Her name's Ivory Hecker. And I click on the link, and it's like, there's Paul wearing, like, a Hawaiian shirt. And the headline is, Paul survived Antifa. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess you got to oh. ride it. You got to ride it, I guess. Ivory Hecker is the independent journalist who left Fox to expose media corruption. Oh, That's on her profile. Well, I need to get on her she podcast. Was she, the, was she the one that had a big release? Is she the one that like left while on air to say that she was going to expose the media so. corruption? Yeah, I think that's who that is. Yeah, I think she was. This was. Yeah, she's got a video of uh, Gallant uh, escaping Seattle's tyranny and moving <laughs> to Texas. <laughs> Like, I love the exaggeration I think, I think of that. A, I think she's a little bit conservative. <laughs> a hair, just a scotch. Well, hey, how do you handle that? Okay, so when you're doing rock DJ stuff, and I know I've heard and that's you, what like, I do. I, I do rock DJ stuff now. That's me. It's better than Gulf Coast radio crap. You're like, what are you doing now? Rock DJ stuff, brother. No, 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 Bring no. it on. No, no, no. But like, I'm trying to think of like different formats. You know, I don't know the radio lingo, That's but fine. you're on a rock station now, but you still talk about a lot of different stuff. So when you do you like, do you try to kick it old school and take shots at politicians like they're all open game or do you have to like toe the line and be careful about pissing off the wrong people um, and everything? I still take shots at people and my boss actually thinks I could do it more. It, like Jilly yeah. the other day told me that I've gone soft <laughs> She goes, yeah, you're not. You don't sound like yourself anymore. You're kind of a pussy now on the radio. And well, I'm like, I mean, well, I've been fired a couple times, and yeah, say that when we're living in a box because I got fired again. I mean, your competition here is a Jack FM, which is all music. There's not another morning show for him to go after. So I think oh, yeah. I think he's a little lost. I, well, I go after well, the sports dopes here some too, but they're not even really competition because we beat the shit out of them. <laughs> well, um, no, because I heard you talk. I, you made a joke about Biden, or you're doing a bit about Biden this morning, right? Um, and, and I was like, and I was thinking about it. I was listening to it 
And I'm like, that sounds like back, you know, back in previous decades, that sounds like the kind of stuff that you would have heard on late night television. And they would have done it about a Republican or a Democrat. Like it just would have been it wouldn't have been a statement of where you stand or anything. It would have been like, oh, here's a here's a politician. They're all goofy. They're all frauds on both sides of the aisle. Like Not all of them, you know, for the most part, they've all got a little fraud to them. Yeah. Like it. It sounded like that kind of it didn't sound like there was animus behind it. Oh, no, I hate I do hate Joe Biden for what it's worth. But but I do. But it's (laughs) like I'm I I rip. I make fun of everybody, which I think you should. Uh, nobody really does that anymore, and that's the problem. Like when you talk about late night TV and shit like that, you don't really get that yeah. anymore from people. So what are you gonna do? I guess. But anyway, so uh, from so you're doing well mentally now. Everything's good. You've read books. Yeah, read books. I I stopped drinking for like nine months, and um, not to be a like I didn't expect it to be a permanent thing, but it was really cool because I kind of learned with some i got some perspective on how alcohol had been affecting me like the day the day we got into it i'd been drinking the night before and like there was well, the, so the, it, one I, thing who I hadn't? Really, it was all free yeah yep. well but but the thing is i realized like i don't get hung over i get like really moody and grumpy the next me day that's too. my hangover. that's kind of yeah. the same for me i gotta be careful about that like i try to i try not to drink at night if i have anything like if there's any situation where somebody might be approaching me with a surreptitious microphone at the behest of uh, <laughs> at the behest of Josh Innes. I don't drink the night before. No, so you don't drink much anymore, though. I do, I do, but like I even like even before this show, I had a couple glasses of wine with dinner, and, and I'm like, God, I'm getting kind of heavy tongued. I gotta, I'm just, I'm not, I'm gonna back off until I go on with Josh later um, because it's, uh, I, 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 you know what it is, Josh. I'm, I'm, I'm middle aged. I'm 46 years old. Yeah. I don't uh, I don't process it as well as I used to. Well, if you'd like to do a shot with us, you're more than welcome. <laughs> you're more to. than we what do we virtual shots or uh, we, you know, yeah, I, shots. I'm, I'm not allowed to keep hard liquor in the house <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I don't allow myself because it's uh, it's too it's too easy. Yeah, no, I, I drink <laughs> whatever I drink. I drink at the same pace. So, like, if I have 12 ounces of whiskey or 12 ounces of beer, they go down at the same pace. That's, that's so I exactly. And that's why every time yeah. we do this damn Twitch on a Friday night, I get hammered in, like, 10 minutes. Because it doesn't matter <laughs> if it's a 10% alcohol beer, if it's a Miller Lite, or if it's a giant glass of vodka. Wine gets you wine, real bad. Like, wine fucks me beyond belief. Because you do chug wine like it's a Miller Lite. But there's something... Um... I always thought it was BS, but the, yeah, I never realized like that there is a difference to different types of alcohol and the drunks you get from them. Like, and, it, and oh, it's yeah. all kind of individual. Yeah, were you you're there right. for like, Gavin's but, wedding or no? No, I wasn't. So, but you were were you there for his divorce? Uh, no, but were you, <laughs> so Gavin's wedding, uh, it was at uh, Zaza, and I got oh, hammered awesome. on wine in like ten minutes, mm-hmm. and not just yeah. hammered, but like don't remember like, the party. Almost fell into the pool. Almost Zaza. fell into the pool, and and. I fought. I tried to fight Meltzer because I quote <laughs> accused him of quote trying to fuck Jilly. No, not trying. You said that I fucked Meltzer. <laughs> Did you, Jilly? No. And that's what's great is like this was only like I think Josh and I had been maybe officially dating for like a month, maybe. <laughs> so at that point, I'm like, oh fuck, like oh, that's how God. this is going. Are you not? <laughs> he didn't ask to go get a tattoo with your name out on the way home, no, right? He just literally like walks a, up. You to guys me are and... riding. 
We didn't even you go home together. I think someone sent you home in an Uber, and then I went out with the rest of the hot staff, and we did karaoke. Well, the thing is, so I was with Greg Cook that night, <laughs> and I'm fairly certain Greg Cook could drink a barrel of whatever booze and not be impacted yeah. by it. So he's yeah. chugging wine. I'm like, gulp, gulp, gulp. And within like, and at the time, I was only like 260. Like, I'd lost a lot of weight. So, like, I got, like, just fucked. Wine really kicks my ass, man. Like, it beats the shit out of me on, on a regular basis. Yeah, I remember we were sit- I was sitting by the bathroom, and I was waiting for, I think, Denise was in the bathroom, so I was waiting outside, and you just come up to me, stumble up to me, and go, you fucked Meltzer, you bitch. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and Meltzer, this is back in, like, really docile Meltzer. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know. I, like, what is happening here? I don't know. This is a mess. I'm a mess. This is a mess. <laughs> what the hell? You know what, though? That's a sign that you really loved her, or that you're on your way to loving her. <laughs> and somehow no, here we are, 11 years later. <laughs> the, the same thing happened to me with one of my good friends in college. Um, I, he'd been, I'd been away for like a semester, and I came back, and he'd started dating this girl while I was gone. So the first time I saw him, I went, to, I went over to his house with a few friends to, to have some drinks, and his girlfriend was there. And like she was gorgeous. She was just like this incredibly gorgeous woman. So, you know, we're all we're all pretty drunk to begin with. And we had a few more drinks and like she left. (laughs) She left to go do something in the kitchen. And I was like, hey, man, like, dude, she is really, really pretty. Like, good. That's freaking awesome, dude. That's like she's freaking hot. And and I don't think I went any further than that. It wasn't like I was drooling or lusting after her with my eyes or anything. And he like (laughs) like 20 minutes later, I'm going to the bathroom and like out of nowhere. (laughs) He like comes out of the shadows and pins me up against the wall. He's like, what the fuck are you doing talking about my girlfriend like that? I'm like, dude, dude, what? What are you talking about, man? And he kind of, he kind of snapped out of it. He's like, I, I, I don't know. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. And he ended up being with her for like four years. He just felt that strongly about her that he was gonna, he was gonna, he was going to just absolutely slaughter any threat to that relationship oh that's spectacular i know you you gotta run but who i don't have to run oh fuck it then let's hang out everybody let's do shots um well, who, got, who's the most shots. uh who's the most random person who reached out to you after the radio row thing like you're like why the f-? like this is a random one. Oh boy that's a good question a lot of you know what i heard from a lot of people that i hadn't heard from from years because it made national news so it was, I guess maybe the most random one was my mom, just because I, because <laughs> <laughs> I had to explain the whole deal to her. So that was that was kind of random. Um, I'll tell you a story. So when we were um, at that night, so that would be a Tuesday night. We're all searching for a place to do the show the next day, and my boss calls me, and we were at me and Jim and Jilly were at this pizza place, uh, some thin crust pizza joint somewhere. And you know it was a stressful day because Jim Mudd was drinking like t- tall mugs of Miller Lite. And he does not drink. <laughs> Jim not probably much. pounded oh, three, yeah. four not beers much. of those. And yeah. he goes, so what Jim does is he's like, I'm worried, whatever. So my boss calls and I have to walk out of the restaurant. It's like 10 degrees outside. And I'm, sta- mm-hmm. I'm standing outside on the phone with my boss and he's just like, everybody's pissed and you got to apologize to people. And, and what's funny about that Yes, his main concern was the sponsor was going to be pissed, right? That Mattress oh, Matt yeah. was going to be pissed. He yeah. was our sponsor. Mattress Matt called me maybe an hour after all this went down. We're walking into the hotel. And as we're walking into our hotel towards our room, I get a call. It's Mattress Mac, all right? And keep in mind, everybody had been texting me, Mac's going to be pissed. We're gonna, he's going to pull out. This is going to be terrible. 
Mac is on the phone. I say, hello. He goes, hey, J- Josh. I go, yeah, Mac, what's up? He goes, you get kicked off Radio Row? I said, yeah. You tried to fight that guy? I said, I guess. Yeah, he goes, man, that's great, man. No <laughs> no press is bad press. All right, see you later. And like, And I'm like, okay, fine with me. He I mean, like, it. everybody else was so afraid. And the guy spending the money was like, this is fucking fantastic. No press is bad press. <laughs> I think that's I guess that might be a little bit of a difference too. maybe like when it comes to radio between some cities and some regions of the country versus in the south or in the Midwest is that you you do always like sponsors sponsors have different tolerances for stuff like that. And some just don't want to be associated with controversy, whereas in other places they like, they're they're you know, Matt, I guess Matt just Mac obviously is kind of unique in Houston in a lot of ways, but I don't know if every uh, if every sponsor feels that way. Yeah, they don't. Mac it's just Mac. Mac has just this <laughs> But Mac is also very smart, and that's why I think he gets yeah. it. Brilliant marketer. He's just brilliant, and he's oh, awesome. Look at how, like, honestly, I get frustrated whenever they, whenever they cover one of the huge bets he makes. Like, outside of Houston – they never mention that it's part of a, a mattress promotion. He's just presented as like this wild, crazy Yosemite <laughs> Sam. Like, man. yeah. yeah like Did this, you guys ever hear about how we got to the World Series? So we, we this was 2017. And one day uh, I had an idea. I had like an extra pair of tickets for the World Series. And I was like, let's find a way to give this away. So my boss calls. And my boss says, I think Mattress Mac may, may want to do something. So let's, uh, well, first, I guess I should rewind. We did something for like the first or second round of the playoffs in his parking lot. And it was big and people came out and I had a pair of tickets that I was going to give away of mine to the playoffs. And then Mac said, hold on, here's 50 pairs. And he buys like 50 pairs of tickets for that suite in, in the outfield. So then the World yeah. Series comes around and it's World Series, uh, the game five had just happened. It was this epic game five. I get a call from my boss, and he said, listen, uh, Mac may want to do another ticket giveaway for game six. And I said, well, that doesn't really work because game six is in Los Angeles. My boss says, hold on, I'll call you back. I lay down, I fall asleep. I get a call from my boss, I don't know, noon, one o'clock. He says, all right, Mac's going to get, we're we're going to game six. How the fuck are we going to game six? Well, Mac has chartered a plane, and Mac is going to do a giveaway for tickets tomorrow, and he's going to give away tickets to people who show up and it's going to be a random drawing, and we're going to give away flights to, like, 10 people. They have to bring their bags, and they have to be packed at at Gallery Furniture, and we're all going to then drive to the airport to a private tarmac, and we're all going to get on a plane, and we're all going to fly to L.A. for game six. And then we're going to turn right around and come back to Houston. And I said, well, Jilly, I mean, like, what about Jim? Jim can come, too. Well, what about Jilly? Jilly can come, too. He bought, he rented this plane. He bought, like, a 100 tickets to the game, whatever, and we're all going. So we get on a plane that day, fly to L.A. When we land at LAX, there is a bus waiting for us. We all get on this bus. On the bus, he's ordered pizza for everybody. There's like 10 boxes of pizza on this bus. We get stuck in traffic. We go to Dodger Stadium. They park the bus at Dodger Stadium. We all go in, 100 people for this Astros game, game six. We all go in. It's fun. We're right down the baseline. Amazing seats. They lose. We get right back on that bus. We go through downtown LA again, back to LAX. Stop at, uh, at uh, what's that nasty burger? In-N-Out. In-N-Out. We stop at In-N-Out. We all eat a burger. We all get back on the bus. Then we all go to the airport, get on a plane, and fly overnight back to Houston. And then I we get it there at about 5.45. We land. Jilly goes home. Jim goes home. I go to the radio station to do the show. 
that morning. Yeah. It was just a bizarre whirlwind. But that's the shit Mac does. It's just this yeah. like like he's the greatest sponsor to have because he will do anything. Yeah, he's um he's something else. We were doing a we were doing we we're broadcasting uh, two years ago at the World Series outside of um, Minute Maid. And he came on to do a really quick hit and he drives, you know, he's very understated. He doesn't like drive a flashy car or anything. I'm not going to say what car specifically he drives or I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get chased down like Michael Jordan on the streets. Um, but, <laughs> but so we're, we're talking there and there's a crowd around a crowd around him. And as he goes to leave this, this, uh, this homeless guy is like, Hey, Hey man, uh, I really need a ride. And mattress Mac looks at him. He's like, all right, where are you going? And he, <laughs> I hopped in with him and he drove him down to the bus station. It's uh, he really like he's just there are a lot of stories about him just kind of helping out a lot of people. That's so what people, people drop ask of the me all the time. They're amazing. like, so is he really like that good of a guy? Is it all a show? I'm like, no, like Mac is just like probably the most genuine guy ever. Let me he see, just yeah. Here's an example. Helping people. Here's an example of Mac. So the Saints are playing in the NFC Championship game in 20 it was the 2018 season I guess into 2019 was the the year the playoff game was. And I was on the air and I was mentioning that Mac had bought some of his guys that worked at his store these uh, tickets cuz they were Saints fans and I said, "Well, I'm a Saints fan. I'd like Mac to buy me a ticket to go to this damn game." Like an hour later I get a call. <laughs> All right, I got you two tickets for the game, bud. Did you have a good time? Like, are you fucking serious? Yep. So then me and Jilly went down to New Orleans for the NFC Championship game. Unfortunately, Jilly could not attend because the week prior when we were in New Orleans for the divisional round, Jilly fell down in the dark while carrying a skewer of meat through downtown yeah. and might have broken oh. her kneecap. No, first of oh. all, I bruised a rib. Okay. Second of all, it was a sausage on a stick. And, uh, and so, but still we flew there. So then, so we drove there. And then what happened is we were there on Saturday night, Sunday morning of the NFC championship. We've got 50 yard line seats, basically lower bowl, amazing seats. Jilly goes, uh, I don't know that I can go to the game today. I'm just hurting. Well, Saturday night, it started to hurt really, really bad. And she goes, can I just catch, I'll just catch a flight home and that'll I'm be going fine. To the urgent care. I'm going to the urgent care. So I had, then I had to find a buddy of mine to go to the game. But the funny part is she gets on a plane, flies home, doesn't realize that I forgot to give her the house key. So she flies home, has no way to get into the house. Yep, sat in the So garage. then she has to call Papa Lock to come out and unlock the damn house, and it's a uh, cluster. Yeah. But the thing is, Mattress Mac is so baller that, like, it's almost like he's a genie, and you can make a wish, and it will be granted. So if I were on the air and I'm like, you know, I'd really just like to go to, to Hawaii for the Hawaii Bowl. I don't know. Then you get a you get a call. Hey, Josh Mack, you want to go to Hawaii? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then, bam, he'd show up. He's, he's the best sponsor to have for stuff. And he, I think he's a genuinely good dude. I think a for lot sure. of guys do shit just for show. But uh, I don't think he does. I think he's genuine. What do you do? So, okay, on, on your show, because it's a, it's a music station, what percentage of the time do you end up talking about sports? Uh, I mean, it just depends on what's going on in sports. Like on a Monday, I'll probably talk some about the Titans. But the, the beauty is I don't have to. And, and I really no one right. seemingly really cares about the Titans here. And I don't give a shit. Like I don't really like yeah. I've gotten to a point. And I don't know where you are mentally on sports. I know it's still your job. But I think you're also kind of a guy that doesn't live and breathe it. Like I think with all the stuff that's gone down with uh, with politics being involved and the Rona and everything is so people fighting each other constantly. Like my love of sport has kind of um, dissipated a lot over the last probably five years. You know what? There's a, it's an interesting, when you talk about the politics and sport, 
and I know it's it's there's varying levels, you know, between the different leagues. But just with the NFL, because we talk like you know, we talk way more NFL on six ten. Um, it's there's times where sometimes I'll listeners will ask me stuff that I can tell that they either read on a political website or a news website or that they or that they saw on Fox News and they'll ask me about it and it'll be something like I have zero clue about like the the black national anthem being played at games this year supposedly yeah like people are asking me about it, I'm like I I've never heard of this at all like and I don't know if it ever like I don't know if it ever actually was a thing or pro- that it was proposed or anything but apparently it was a big deal on news sites in like July and, and like I was clueless about it like 100%. So I I don't know if there's uh, everybody's we're all living in these different silos depending on where we get our news and what those news sources choose to focus on that I this year at least in the NFL at least I mean the ratings are better than they've ever been and the 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 bleed over from real life into sports and vice versa it doesn't seem to be as as much or as is is what it was in the past. Well, now it's, the, ro- now it's the Rona. The Rona is now the thing that's the most controversial topic. Like I think the police and the kneeling and the 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 flag. I think that's two years ago, three years ago. But the Rona part is legit. Like today, they're talking about how the players allegedly, according to a report, they'd rather not be tested at all and just say, you know what, no more protocol for the Rona. Like that's the hot button issue right now. Is that? Yeah, and it's um. But even that, I don't know. And maybe it's, I don't listen to I don't listen to enough other stations anymore, like either in Houston or around the league to really get a feel anymore. For what. Do, you try, I, do you try to I, lo- just like just tone out of sports or tune out when you're not on? I do. Um, not completely. I try not to get on to the I don't want to hear too many opinions um, it because it bleeds I, into your opinion and you subconsciously yeah. almost make it your opinion. Yeah, or I shy away from saying it because I feel like I'm plagiarizing somebody else. Some and asshole on the twi- some asshole on your text is going to be like, "Oh, you stole that one from Adam Clanton, huh? Yeah. Yeah, fuck you, yeah. bro, fucking idiots." And then the well, anger just comes back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, well, also, though, tell me, tell me this, tell me this really quick. Tell me this, and I, I know yeah. I keep interrupting you, but I'm also know. getting drunker, so I'm going to interrupt you a little bit more. Speaking of, hand that shot over here. Oh, we got shots. Everybody, throw in some donos for some shots if you guys would like on Twitch. Uh, now, here's the thing. So I feel that you and Meltzer were both negatively impacted by the text line at 610. That was like the precursor to Twitter. And I used to fuck with me too. And that's why I would tell my listeners, because I'm a cocksucker, I'd say go to their text and say like dumb shit and piss them off because I knew it would piss Meltzer off. And I do think that it messed with you guys a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was bad because if it distracts you, you know, and you can tell when your co-host is distracted by the text line or Twitter in the middle of the show. And it's it's brutal. They zone out. Yeah, yeah. And I'm way more guilty of it than uh, Mike and I are probably the worst at it. I've I've gotten a lot better. And a lot of it, like, for the most part, I try to only check it during commercial breaks. But Sean will. Sean will snap me back into it. Usually if I hear him saying my name a lot, it's uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, I was looking at the text line, wasn't I? <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 almost impossible. You know, we talked earlier about like when the the cool thing now is to not get agitated as opposed to back in the day when, you know, you no, know, you need to demand respect. And if somebody disrespects you, fight them. I think it, it's probably appropriate that the cool thing now is to not get offended and not get upset because you we've never been assailed by more negativity from more directions. Uh, like everybody, like everybody, everybody walking around with a phone 
is basically like a, a sports radio host with a text line. There's yeah, just, sure. There's, there's, there's no shortage of negativity coming at you all the time. Um, but yeah, you would, I, you know what I got good at though, J- Josh, I started to figure out when it was one of your listeners, um, messing with me for the most part and like, and I've gotten a lot better at it, but every now and then, and you know, I've heard you talk about this. You can get really good at kind of tuning a lot of it out, but every now and then in the right moment, It'll like on the wrong day, it just, Absolutely. somebody, somebody pushes a button. And then, and you know, you know that they're pushing your button yep. and you know that you're irrational and you can't help it. And that's what, um, I, but it's that's usually where when they I, say I, something that's so stupid, you're like, okay, I have to respond. Like, Cause know you know, they're wrong. All the time. Cause you know, it's they're factually so inaccurate about you. You just have to acknowledge it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and, but then you, you realize you're going down that rabbit hole of yep. like, they said something so stupid and no matter what I say or how badly mm-hmm. I disprove what they said, they're not going to let it go. And then the next and thing you know, like, you're in 12 tweets deep and you've gone yeah. back and forth for an hour. And even, even if the biggest loser thing, because I was part of it, is when you respond to people's texts. So that means yeah. on their phone, they're getting a text message from six to four, four six ten or whatever, six ten four two six or whatever the text is. Yeah. And like they'll get a text like, holy shit, I'm getting a text message to my phone from Seth fucking Payne or Josh Ennis or Mike Meltzer. <laughs> it's one thing to respond to a tweet. You're like literally you are speaking to them over their phone. It's it, yeah, it, And you yeah. got to get yourself out of that because Jilly called me out once in Houston. Yeah. I spent all day. There was some fellow by the name of Houston Media Critic. Have no idea who this fucking guy was. Probably some angry former radio or TV guy, just some asshole. And he would shit on me constantly. And one Saturday, over the course of a drive from downtown out to wherever the woodlands and back, I was texting and I was tweeting back and forth with this guy for three hours. And one day, and in that moment, Jilly goes, you know, you're a fucking loser, right? Like, you're a total fucking loser. And I'm like, you know what? I think you're right. I think you're mad. I think you're absolutely right. So, and then, then oh you, you, you snap out and you're like, fuck. One of our, this is funny. One of the guys, I just got on your Twitch. Oh man, I know this guy. Um, and it, except that this is, the, the text line's pretty much anonymous because we can't name like the, we can't assign, you can remember the phone number if you were that psychotic about yeah. it, which I am with a couple guys. Um, <laughs> a few stand out. This guy, this is true. Me and Seth argued about George Floyd on the text line summer of 2020. That must have I been our friend M.W. Soulgrove. Yep, that yeah, makes sense. I only engaged with one person that I recall about George Floyd. And I don't think, George, I like, uh, Soulgrove, I don't think we were actually arguing necessarily. I think we disagreed about a few things. But I think it was, I, as I recall it, that was kind of respectful. Maybe I'm wrong, unless he was trolling me and I got pissed off about it. Oh, he doesn't troll. He, he's just like, basically, he's like like the, the yeah. a Trump son, basically. He's one of Trump's kids. <laughs> so I think I thought, I think we were kind of respectful, or at least I was trying to be. Sometimes it's lost in translation on the text line. But but apparently this was a guy who also used to text Mike, do you even watch football to Meltzer? Because that would. That probably. That I used to do that. I think even when oh, I worked did. with you guys, I would text oh, okay. him and I would text and I'd go, Mike, do you even like it? And it would be a, a dumb opinion. Like, wait a second. You would take Andrew Luck over Mario Williams. Like, do you even watch football? <laughs> and I would sit there and listen to the radio and go, all right, Jelly here. He's about to get really pissed off in three, two. One. This guy on the text. I, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And the best is when Brad was with him because Brad would egg him on. Like, Brad's a radio yeah. guy, right? You know, so Brad would sit there and he'd go, Mike, you see this over here, Mike, this guy says you don't watch football and Mike would lose his fucking mind. And it was, 
It was great. I used to do that to Paul all the time, too. Like, one Saturday, I called Paul. I think it was with Meltzer. And we were going to a TriStar show to meet Ozzy Smith, of all things. And and Paul was on the air. And I called him up, and I was like, basically, I forgot what I told him. It was something about guns and how I was going to shoot him. I'm like, you little shit. I'd come out there. I'd shoot you or some shit. <laughs> And he thought it was real. And he was so fucking proud that someone wanted to kill him. He posted the audio on social media. He's like, oh, my God, I'm getting death threats. I fucking made it. I'm like, no, you asshole. It's me. I used to do that. Or the time I, I, the time that I, I called you guys as uh, what's his name in the wheelchair? Oh, Stephen Hawking. Stephen, oh, Hawking. Stephen Hawking. Yeah, that was. Seth you know was what? That pissed. was. I was supposed to, do you know why I was pissed, Jilly? This is a thing. It was. It was, uh, I knew that it was a fake call, <laughs> but my boss had told me that it was Stephen Hawking. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, and that we had to take the call. And I'm kind of like, I was relatively new to radio and I was just trying to figure it out. Um, that's what, yeah. And I was, I, I was pissed. I think I was partially, you know, no, Josh, you did a good job. I thought it was a fake call, but then I asked you some, like some, question about physics and you bullshitted your way through it so well that I was kind of like I think this might actually be Stephen Hawking. I remember this I, I, like you know what I did I started recite uh, re, re, like basically repeating shit from uh, Back to the Future so I go I go yeah. you go like well what about something I go well you know there's the space time continuum and uh, you know 1.21 gigawatts and whatever the fuck but I did it through this voice changer that made it sound like I'm doing like a, a an eyeball to text thing that someone with ALS would use but I was uh, no, yeah, I was way too sensitive about that one. That was a really good prank, and I it, was it, way was, too, but I was, it wasn't a good prank because he forced you to take the call, like so, yeah. like, I, like, and he, I think he was trying to endear himself to me because he was new, and yeah. uh, I just ultimately found him to be a dweeb, and and we never really got along. I bet, I mean, you guys, I'm sure had a fine relationship, and now he's somewhere oh, no, we in like Michigan yeah, like, or something, Traverse City or some shit. Uh, I do have. To I, I do have to get going. Okay. You guys do. Well, we'll do you, this shot in your honor. Thank shot, you for joining We'll do us. a shot in honor of our friend Seth who rules. Yes. And, Thank uh, you guys. And, and Maybe we'll have the uh, people send you nice texts on Monday. That, that's what I'll we'll do. do that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> and no, we'll do that. And come on again some. Release, Julie, shoot release the, shit. the hounds. Tell <laughs> 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 them to go off on Monday. All it's good, man. It's only a on Mondays. Sweet. <laughs> hey, you know, we'll do this again. This is fun. I like yeah, talking with you, man. Yeah, no, definitely. Right, it's awesome. Well, have a good one, Seth. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Enjoyed it. Yep. All right. See you later. Let me, let's I'm see if I can actually go. log oh, out of this. Boy. Hold on. I think he's gone. Who is MW that keeps popping up? I don't know what that is. Hit the but button. Let's see what happens. Who, who are we calling here? That turns it off. Call that number. Nothing. It says nothing. All right. There you go. Weird. Well, did you do your shot yet? No, I didn't. Did you? No. Okay, well, hold on. No, that Well, since we didn't do it. Well, no, I would really just think we need a shot, and Luther's really antsy over there, so I'm probably going to have to go feed him. So we're going to do a shot. Shots it is. To Seth. To Seth, everybody. Seth Payne. Mm. Well, that was a hell of a time. <sighs> Boy, that's a good start Ooh. to Jismas, as everybody brought up. If you are new to the chat and you haven't been in here before, uh, like or subscribe on one of our formats here on one of our uh, platforms. And if you're new to the chat, and I don't know how to do a dono through the other platforms yet, but what we do is every $100, we do more shots. Yeah, so if $100 on the uh, donations here, uh, feel free, exclamation point, dono. There you go. All right, so I guess I'll bring it into the podcast portion of things. That'll do for the pod, so thank you guys, and then we will continue to just converse here uh, with everybody else, so there you go.